Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Attention, soldiers, sailors, airmen, marines, and coasties. The holiday season is right around the corner. And some of you might be wondering, how am I going to afford to travel back home to visit my loved ones? Have no fear. Holidays for the Heroes is here. Last year, Holidays for the Heroes received donations from patriotic donors, and we were able to send 65 armed service members with a fully paid round-trip ticket and got them home for the holidays. Wait, but what's the catch, you might ask? Buckle your parachute strap. There is no catch and no hidden fees. Just contributions from good old-fashioned Americans who want to help heroes like you and show their appreciation for your service. If you're an active soldier and want to register, or an individual who wants to be a part of that growing group of patriotic donors, please go to www.holidaysfortheheroes.org. That's www.holidaysfortheheroes.org. Blossom. It's time for an episode of Be Awesome. Find positivity throughout your life and work. Just like our mascot rooster, Steve the Jerk. Hello, Be Awesome listeners. This is your host, Joshua Peach, for episode 91. And this is going to be yet another good one because they're all good. They're actually all awesome. Uh, this is going to be fun for me. Uh, my guest today is Drew Amoroso, and I just met Drew in the last month or so. Um, a mutual contact reached out to me and had shared with me that Drew and, and his partner, uh, Ali, have a great uh, platform, technology platform. And when I talked to these guys, I fell in love, not just with the platform, but the message, the content, everything they're doing, uh, so much so that I'm helping them out in a couple of uh, ideas that they have going on. So I wanted to invite Drew because I love his um, some of his messages and what he's doing, and what he's done, and just his life's journey. So Drew, first and foremost, before we dig in, welcome to the Be Awesome podcast. You are a, you are a podcast veteran, so I'm not going to ask you uh, if this is your first <laughs> podcast or not. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. I, I appreciate the chance to be here. Well, we're going to dig in right into some stuff here. So, Drew, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, how we got here today uh, to be uh, talking to each other. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, just in, in terms of the the quick backstory, uh, I started my career as a, a lawyer um, from Pennsylvania. Originally, moved out to California to go to law school. Uh, worked in a, a a big law firm for about five years uh, and really enjoyed that experience. But then realized that there was something else that I wanted from my work experience. Um, and as I look back at my career, the most rewarding times for me were times when I was training other people and helping them to improve their, their work day. So it started sort of informally, but then I really got interested in this idea of uh, people being active participants in how their, their work day goes. Um, so I started a company, it was a training company initially. Uh, we, we put on trainings for law firms and other professionals um, and then realized that there was some really important content that we were putting out related to mindset. 
Um, and so we just started to call it workday mindset training. Um, and then kind of, you know, parlayed that and really wanted to double down on it and decided to start a technology company so that we could disseminate that information uh, at a bigger level. So I started a, a technology company a couple of years ago and uh, I'm a coach and also a, an adjunct professor at a couple of law schools and um, really in, in enjoy the opportunity to, uh, to help people improve their workday. Yeah, well, that's, you know, the reason that it attracted me was was not necessarily the platform out of the gate, but the, the importance of needing a platform to share and spread that, as I call it, casting a wider net of, of information, reminders, and content. You know, when you and I talked, uh, you know, me being a public speaker and people get done listening to me for an hour, there's always one person. I just I, I just want to impact one person in the audience. If I try to impact everybody, it's it's never going to happen. I'll let myself down. But um, that one person, but I want them to have a takeaway because they you yeah. forget stuff, right? You only retain 10% of what you hear and all this stuff. So um, my, my key was like, what is it? I've always thought of this, like, what could we give to the, to the person to walk away with and say, I've got something or, or a reminder. And that's what your platform does, which is, um, you pro it, it provides a place for content, whether it's theirs or, or yours, for, mm -hmm. for them to constantly be getting trained, reminded, and, and reiterated, oh, you need to do this. You know, we, I, I'm not sure if you, what you call it, the mindset, it's mindset reset. So I think what my referral is, you have to have a different yeah. word for it. Yeah. Um, but talk a little bit about due course and then, you know, that importance of, of mindset at the workplace. I mean, we all talk about it. Um, mental health has never been a scarier place for so many people, uh, not and, and their workplace is their home for most. Yeah. Um, but talk about give people more uh, uh, what mindset in the workplace is and then you know, what does do course? How does do course fall into that? Sure, sure. Um, just to kind of piggyback off of what you said, too. I think that the repetition of it is is a really important thing. Um, so similar to you, I, every time I work with people, I want them to have something to, to take away from it, right? One of the frustrating things that I always uh, experienced when I would go to workshops or would listen to people speak is that you get kind of all riled up and excited about it in the moment, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything unless you're able to take it back and translate that into day-to-day -day action, right? So you walk away from a conference and you have a big binder or something and it's great, but then you get back to your desk and you have to respond to the 50 emails that you, you know, that, that you missed while you're out, out at the conference. Right. So um, I'm on the same page with you. I think the, the, you know, it's, it's this idea of giving people a resource and showing people how over time, the repetition of certain concepts um, really can help, help them um, change their day. So, yeah. So just to explain what workday mindset is um, we consider workday mindset just to be the sort of the, habits and the, the beliefs that you have around how you're thinking throughout your day, right? So if you think about a work day, um, really what it is is just a bunch of mini situations that pop up that you have to think through, right? All these little inputs that come in each day. And the way that you choose to think about those inputs changes uh, the trajectory of your day, right? And we can get so caught up in uh, how we're thinking about our day because of, you know, beliefs that we've been taught that work is supposed to be hard, that you have to suffer at work, right? There's all this, this big narrative around work is hard. You need to be serious and, you know, you can't hold space necessarily for enjoying work, right? But also being a serious professional, right? There's, so there's a lot of narratives out there around it. 
Um, but the truth is that, you know, regardless of what happens around you in a workday, you always, always, always have the ability to make a decision about how you want to think about what happens, right? So everybody around you can be doing whatever they're doing, right? Your clients, your colleagues, whatever. But you always get to choose at the end of the day how you want to process that and not only that, but how you want to respond. And so workday mindset is just our our way of giving people some really fundamental basic concepts that they can use that are, you know, kind of deceptively simple, um, but when repeated over time, help help you to navigate challenging workday situations, help you to prioritize taking care of yourself first so that you can show up at your best for other people and really be intentional about how you move through a day, right? I, I love the word in, intention because I think if you, if you move through your day with intention and uh, you have a better chance of, of realizing when you're, you know, you're going down a, a, you know, a, a thought loop that doesn't help you. And on the other side, you can also be aware of things that are really going well for you, right? I'm sure you're familiar with all the science around how important it is to celebrate small wins and, and practice gratitude. So, um, so yeah, so we teach people how to, to take those micro concepts and apply them um, throughout their, uh, throughout their day. So I do a lot of training on that, but um, in terms of how due course comes, comes into the equation, we're a technology company. So we have an app that's basically designed to be a, a mobile content delivery and communication platform for organizations that um, right now really helps them to support their remote work teams um, to build community and also strengthen um, their workday mindset. So an organization can uh, send messages and post important micro content for their teams inside the app that helps everybody stay connected. And then we as a company supplement that with our own content, our own workday mindset content that's, as I said before, designed to help people, you know, navigate challenging situations at work and really show up at their best. So at a high level, our goal is we just want people to have a resource that helps them, you know, stay informed and also move through their day uh, with some simple concepts that help them have a great work day. Yeah. Um, as you were saying that, I'm just running through my head and I'm, and, and it just, I don't know if it, I'm sure I thought of something like this in the past, but you know, the one thing in our life that is constant is our workplace. Like when you talk about, um, when you talk about the, uh, you know, all the things that, that go on for, for the, for, for you to try to provide more happiness and opportunity for them. The reality is, you know, and I say this in all my talks is one in three people in the United States is going through something personally that is impacting their life professionally. And sometimes they, they don't realize that they might look like they're upset with work, but they're really not. They're going for what I call the, the, the D's, which is death, death, disease, divorce, drugs, or depression, or depression caused by those things. And, mm -hmm. uh, but they still have to go to work. And work mm -hmm. is the one thing that they have constant that they can't get away from because they have to make their money. So, you know, cause I always wonder like, and, and maybe you, you see this in, in what you do, you know, what the, what people really are, like when you look at, when you look at folks and they go, Oh, that person doesn't like their job or they, you know, they're just showing up for a paycheck or whatever. I wonder how much of that really is true. And, and really they're going through other things and they just don't know how to handle it. And what you're doing enables them not just to handle it in, in the workplace, but probably take some of it and put it into practice in their personal space too. If they, if they look at it, cause work and personal is one and the same, right? It's, it's, yeah. they're two different, they're two, two places, but you're in both of them. So, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, the, we spend so much time at work, <laughs> right? Every, we spend so much time at work and it, it's such a big part of, you know, for a lot of people, it's an expression of who they are and what they believe and, and what they value. Um, and for other people, it's a, it's a means to uh, other things that they want outside of work, right? They want to support their family. They want to su- support their hobbies. And so maybe it doesn't necessarily like necessarily align with their, uh, with their, their values. But, you know, the interesting part about it is I, and I teach a, I teach a law school class. Um, it's called a practice ready uh, seminar at a couple of Bay area law schools. And the goal of the class is to just get people thinking about why they are, what they're doing, like, what do they want from their career? Right. Mm-hmm. I was never asked or, or never really thought about what do I want? Like, what do I value? Mm-hmm. Why am I choosing the career that I'm choosing? Right. And it seems like such a simple question, like, oh, yeah, you would think through that. But I but I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot that's wrapped up in that. Right. Beliefs about our own abilities and things we've been told and, um, you know, things we believe about what we're able to accomplish. But I think it's important for for people to get in touch with the why part, you know, as early as possible. Um, and, you know, if, you're, if your goal at work is to, to do a certain kind of meaningful work, or if it's to, you know, make, uh, make money to support your family, whatever it is, that's great. But kind of staying connected with the why part is really helpful. Um, and so I think for people who are unhappy at, at work, part of it is because they're not, they're not really in touch with, with, with what that is, mm-hmm. right? Maybe they have never thought about it, or they feel trapped in a situation where they're not able to um, uh, to, to get out of it and actually do something that is aligned with their why. But yeah, we spend so much time at work. It, it seems to make sense to really pursue that, um, with as much intention as, as we can and with as much purpose as we can, because it just, as you said, it's, it, it's like the keystone of your day right. <laughs> in many ways. So, you know, getting that straight affects all it, it ripples out into all the other areas of your life. Yeah. And I, I don't think many people do it, it. Those two things. I don't think many people do explore their why. And I think the ones that do many don't realize that that's a, that's a blueprint to change as time goes on. I think that they feel like many feel like this is the path that I chose and this is the path I need to stay on. Not that this is the path that I chose right now. And it's, and it, and there's going to be lefts and rights that I have a choice to make and I should be open to make them. Uh, many people aren't, they don't have that, that, that thinking um, I've gone through it professionally in the last couple of months. And it's, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it's been wild and very interesting uh, for me. And uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I just kind of think it's it, at 45. I, I, I think I got a couple of, I think I have a couple of whys still in the back pocket that are going to probably come out yeah. near their ugly head and say, yeah, that was your why then this is your why now and, and start looking. Yeah. Um, so yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I love that you brought this up. I think it's incredibly important. I actually just taped a podcast on, it's called Embracing Inconsistency. And I think, again, I think there's this narrative out there that if you want to be taken seriously, right, as a professional, if you want to be perceived as having your stuff together, then you have to be consistent, mm-hmm. right? There's also an incentive structure that's set up when we're consistent because people, we, we sort of get affirmation from people, right? Because they know who we are. They know what we do. Like for me, it was always, I'm a lawyer. I can be trusted. I, you know, I'm a trusted advisor. You can count on me. And so the moment that we have any inkling to change and to pursue a different why, 
it disrupts that whole incentive structure. And we wonder if people will still like us and will they still, will they still, you know, appreciate us for, for who we are. But, you know, if you think about what growth means, like the definition of growth is consistently being inconsistent, right? So you're in, we're inconsistent all the time. You know, I'm different than I was five minutes ago than I was 30 days ago than I was a couple of years ago. And so there's nothing wrong with being inconsistent. <laughs> it's actually like, it, it's actually like the, um, I think it's one of recognizing that and, and celebrating it is one of the best ways, uh, the best paths towards self-affirmation, right? Is that mm-hmm. you're different than you were before. And it's okay if you want to pursue something that wasn't aligned with what you know now, because you have a whole new information set that you didn't have when you made that decision in college or in grad yeah. school or whatever. Um, so I just think this idea of inconsistency is something that people look at and they're like, oh, I'll be perceived as someone who doesn't have my stuff together. But I think we have to embrace inconsistency. It's natural for us yeah. to do that. We want well, to continue to be happy. And asking yourself questions a lot, you know, and, and real and, and making sure that you're, when you said reaffirmation, I think, you know, reaffirming that, hey, this is like, I wake up, I, I didn't think after uh, a 17 year career, I didn't think that I'd wake up happy every day in a completely different market, doing completely different things, talking to completely different people all over the globe. And like, I wake up every day and I'm, I'm excited. Like I can't wait. Yeah. And it's a new challenge. And, uh, and, you know, taking that step is that that first step is always the hardest. And, and granted, you could take that step and find something you don't like. The one thing that I find professionally that I haven't, that, that, that I just started to kind of see, I mean, the workplace is just crazy with lots of movement this year. This has been a really interesting, um, you know, 2020 was tough. I think a lot of people hung on to jobs because they had jobs. They're like, I'm not going anywhere because there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. And I think now that there's some rebound happening, I think there's a lot of people that are out, you know, searching for jobs. And some people have sent, you know, sent me messages and said, Hey, will you check out my resume? And little do they know my, the only resume I ever did was in 1996 and it was on a typewriter. I've got it someplace. It's <laughs> awful. Um, I've been very blessed in that fact that I didn't have to put, you know, who I am on a piece of paper, but I look at some of these resumes of people that are great people, genuine, just fantastic humans. And they put all this stuff on a piece of paper to get in a door, to get a job that they may or may not like. And they forget through this whole process that they have a choice too. They have a choice to choose whether or not they want to work there, not that they want to be given the opportunity at a job to work there because they don't know if it's going to make them happy. And I don't right. think a lot, I think the hiring process to me, I think the hiring whole hiring process overall is just flawed. Like, yeah. I think it's just, I think it's just, I think the, uh, and, and this is coming from a very uneducated five years to graduate high school, community college dropout. So I can say it's flawed because every, every job that I thought I ever wanted required, you know, a, a, a college degree, a piece of paper and a frame uh, on the wall, you know, and, uh, but I think it's really flawed because it's not like it, when I get to the, the rare occasion that I get to interview someone in my day job, um, I don't ask them about work stuff. You know, and I think that that whole HR stuff, I mean, I don't ask them how old they are or what their family looks like, but like, what makes you happy in the day? Like a perfect work day, what would that look like for you? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if, if you could, if you could paint a picture, you know, we, none of us want to read the future and, and be able to tell, you know, what my five-year plan is going to be, because we know it's never going to happen that way. Right. Um, but if we can say to you, you know, what, what would make you happy in a year from now? Like, what would your workplace look like? Would it be working from home? Would it be working in an office? Would you want to work for a big company? Would you want to work for a small company? Not, 
you know, this is your job, here's what you do and, and have fun because we're all adults. And I think that's what impacts the workplace that needs services like yours because it's not setting up uh, a good environment right out of the gate in many cases. It's just like, you should feel lucky you're working here and we're giving you this opportunity, right? Yeah, so. yeah. I, I, I hear that really clearly. I, I have done a lot of interviewing over the years and the questions that I would ask are similar to the ones that you would ask, right? Like you can see if someone's qualified from their resume, right? But I think you kind of want to get to the heart of what, what are you interested in? Why are you here? Do you feel like you're, you know, someone who would thrive in this environment? Um, and it's, it's so interesting the way you said that. I, I tell my, my law students too, you know, when you go into interviews, there's a couple of things. One, you're also interviewing them, mm -hmm. right? So, and I know that the, the, the sort of the power dynamic feels totally imbalanced, but you have to look at what those people are saying to you and say, is this a place I would actually thrive at? Is this a place I want to work? And if it's, if it's not, you know, you need to, to take that into consideration. Um, I, I also say to them, you know, when you go into those interviews, you kind of, you have to get your hopes up <laughs> about yeah. it too. Like you, mo most people will walk in, I have people who I know who, you know, they're saying, oh, I'm going to an interview and I, I'm, you know, I, I really want it, but I don't know if, if I'm good enough. I'm like, look, you have to get your hopes up. You got to get your hopes up when you walk into any of those situations, always get your hopes up because when you get your hopes up, then you show up as the best version of yourself to that mm -hmm. interview, right? You show up as somebody who is not only qualified, but who believes that they already have it, right? And that brings out something inside of you. And when that shows up, then other people can really see you for yep. you know, who, who you are, right? And then you're in, a, you're in such an elevated state that you can also see them for who they are, right? Yeah. And, and so there's like a, it, it kind of balances out that like that power dynamic or perceived power dynamic there. Um, and I, I think that that's how you attract situations and other people who believe what you believe, who, who want to do the work that you want to do, who are bring a certain level of enthusiasm. So walking around all day with having your hopes up is, an, you know, it's an important thing to yeah. do. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say, if you're not, if you don't have a, a class that you do that on, which is the job, you know, the, the job finding process, that's something I, I too, I've had two people reach out to me this week uh, on LinkedIn telling me about jobs that they were applying for that they were really excited about. And it's tough to gauge excitement on LinkedIn private messages, but they, you could tell that they were excited at the opportunities on both of them uh, for the jobs that they were applying for. I, I like overqualified as humans and qualified on a resume all, all day long. And these, these two are over overqualified for just about any position, like can't do anything. And I just said, you know, just a formality. They said they were going in for the interviews. It's just a formality. Uh, they have to do that. You, you know, you're getting the job and it's like, go in there. You're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. You've got this. And so often people get so nervous and in their own way, that they could lose the opportunity because they got so nervous and got in their own way. Um, and that's, it's, it's wild how your mind plays, you know, you know, your mind just plays this Jedi mind trick on you where you're just like, <laughs> am I good enough? Why am I, why do I feel like this? And it's like, you're as good as you want to be. So, um, yeah. you know, that's, the, the, you know, I'm listening to you and, and you probably don't have this in law firms, but in the tech world, you know, for a long time, it was all about ping pong tables, coffee bars, and 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 uh, and and nap pods, or whatever other things that brought happiness and culture to life. And what you guys do, and why I'm so passionate and just fell in love with everything you're doing, is that the reality is culture and attitude and happiness at work 
It's all about mindset, how you get up in the morning, what your, your, what your routine is going to be, how your team is acting, the camaraderie and care needed, the, 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 you know, being different, but also have, but having that similar mindset and how to win uh, are all things that, you know, you got to show up and get things done together and not be like, oh, that Drew, he's a real jerk. You know, he comes in late, he takes the front parking spot all the time, you know, thinks, thinks he's, thinks he's the top of the world and he's got news, you know, but realizing that getting a, t- a team's mindset to feel that whatever Drew's doing, it's the most productive thing he could be possibly doing for the team, not just for Drew. Um, and that we're all adults here and let's get this job done. And that's something that's an exercise through repetition that you have to, that you have to do. I'm sure you do that with teams is kind of like collective team mindset, not just personal mindset. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I like to, to think about the mindset work. Um, a familiar analogy is, is exercise, right? Like we're all very familiar with how important it is to exercise our physical body. Right. And so we're, we're familiar with this idea that, you know, we can't just, you know, show up one day to the gym or go for one 30 minute run and expect any sort of changes. Right. But we do know that if we do it consistently over time and take care of ourselves, then that, then we'll see a shift. And it's just really interesting to me. I agree with you that I think at the heart of everything that happens in a, in a day is the way we think about it and, and the way that our minds, that our mindset is uh, attuned. Um, but we don't, we don't take care of it in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Like we don't, we don't, we don't groom it. We don't, we don't think about, uh, you know, feeding it. We don't think about pulling the weeds and giving it sunshine and doing all that stuff that will help it grow. And we, for most of us, we don't have a consistent practice around it. Right. Mm-hmm. But imagine if we all could, you know, had a way to take care of our mindset for five or 10 minutes a day in a way where we could, you know, get a lot of the things out, like old stories, old beliefs, like how to process things that, you know, pain points that happen throughout the day. Imagine if we could practice that for, you know, five minutes a day, even mm-hmm. in the same way that we would take care of our, our physical body. Um, imagine how, how much better uh, people would feel each day, how much more smoothly things would run, how much, uh, how, how much, how much easier it would be to avoid, you know, conflict or miscommunication, right? Mm -hmm. It's just like a consistent practice around it in the same way we take care of our physical body would move mountains and it would not take that much. It would take a couple minutes a day from everybody and it would do wonders. So um, I think it's deceptively simple. Um, It's not easy, but it's because it takes practice and you have to get over some stuff, but I think it is deceptively simple. I'll tell you, as I'm listening to you, I, I just come up with a couple of thoughts um, and, and practice. And, and I want to ask you, I want to get back if I forget to ask you about how often to practice or, or to, to train on this, uh, and things like the calm app. But one of the best things that I found, um, from, a, if, if you're in this for the long haul, if you're in a business and you're saying, Hey, I want to be in this for a while. One of the greatest, uh, tricks that I had unintentionally was I got a locker. So it was a, with an education software company. So I got a school locker and I had it wrapped in a, as a time capsule. And we did it in 2005. And it's a do not open until 2010. So it gave a place card. And in 2005, we collected all the things that were going on, news stories, our clients, you know, the size of the business, everything, our problems and challenges that we face, the current uh, training uh, plans that we had. And we closed the locker and, and locked it up. And then in 2010, we opened it and we were amazed because we also had a, um, a questionnaire. We had a questionnaire that we gave our clients and our employees at the time. We only had like 40 employees at the time or something like that. 
a questionnaire was like, how, how many clients will we have? How many employees will we have? How many this, 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 and this? Think about it, 2005. When we opened in 2010, we were amazed at how much more we accomplished and how much greater we were and how, many, how much more good we did in the world. And we had that to go back to. And so when you go to 2015, you go, and it's got to be something visible. It's got to be something that's front and center that you walk by and you go, what the heck is that when somebody's talking to you? And you go, oh, that's our time capsule. Do you want to see something really cool? And you open it up and you go, wow, look how far we've come. Because if we think about today, it's really hard for us to think of how much better we are than yesterday without that visual. Um, I got my mother the story worth. I don't know if you've heard of this. This is one of the greatest. This is the single. So anybody out there that has either a family member that's getting older or a person that you really just like admire uh, and you want more of their story, go to storyworth.com. This isn't a paid advertisement. Um, it, it's, it's really cool. It's like 89 bucks. And what it is, is they, every week they'll send a question. You can choose the question or they pick it. They'll send the question to the person that you choose and that person responds and they can put pictures. And at the end of the year, they give you a hardcover book. It's all of the collection of the 52 stories of the questions. So now you have that, that you can open it up and, and like with my mother, um, my father's and, and kind of, he's had some, he's failing health. He's got dementia and uh, his, his library, the library is closed. You know, I'm never going to hear his stories about, you know, when he was in Vietnam or as he was in sales and all that stuff. And I heard a lot of those stories, but they're not, you know, so the, the book's there. And uh, so, you know, capture as much as you can from today and yesterday so that when you look tomorrow, you can say, wow, we got through a whole lot, especially with this whole pandemic thing. Like think about five years from now, when we try to relate or tell stories at the bar and hang on and be like, Hey, remember the time we had to wear masks everywhere we went, we're stuck in our house and all the world was falling apart and you know, all these things, nobody's going to be able to really think about that visually. So you want to have something in front of you that you can look at and have as a, wow, we really got through a lot. We should be proud of ourselves. Um, because that whole thing, when you said earlier, I'm, I'm starting this new content about always find time to celebrate. Even the small wins are a big deal. Um, that's that's huge. Um, yeah. But no, the, the, the time capsule is my, my tip and trick. That's my free my freebie. But my, uh, my, my question to you, and this was our first conversation that you and I had that kind of triggered my interest, which is the Calm app, right? Everybody's got it. It's all, it's all sitting, it's, 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 it's on everybody's phone. But very rarely do people actually open it up and, and put it to use and put it into practice. And that's why I like your platform. Um, and with that question is like, how often should people be, be practicing, um, uh, digesting and, and, and looking at, you know, mindset in the workplace and, and bettering themselves in the workplace is it a daily thing. Is it a yeah. every every four hour thing? Like what, what's the best practice for that? Or is there a best practice? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question. I think it varies from person to person. I, you know, if you, if I like the idea of incremental progress, right. I think if you, if you think about what all of, all of the inputs that we have to manage in a, in a day, right. Uh, making room for something new and unwinding some of the old habits that we have in order to make space for it, even conceptually is a challenge, right? There's just so much friction that happens when you try to introduce anything new into our day, not to mention all of the, the competing interests that are, are out there, right? Things that are, that are competing for our time. Um, I think there's, there's two, so with that in mind, and if you've read the science behind a lot of this, right, you have to kind of incrementally introduce these sorts of things into your day. I really am a firm believer in just a couple of minutes a day 
So, you know, three, three to five minutes a day, I think is, is helpful. Um, uh, I also believe that along with that, which is part of the reason why I think, you know, the Calm app or Headspace are really helpful is if you can develop an awareness of a, a situation, a moment throughout your day where you have the chance to deploy a different type of thinking around a pain point that you have, that's actually just as valuable, if not even more valuable than sort of this consistent practice uh, of um, consuming, you know, day to day without any intention behind it, right? Mm -hmm. So in other words, one of the things that we teach is, you know, it's, it's, it's really great to, um, you know, to, to talk about these things in a vacuum, but we try to match mindset concepts around situations, right, that people face. So for example, one thing we teach is, uh, I just call it when this, then that. Mm-hmm. So the idea is, you know, you identify a stressful workday situation that, that is recurring, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. when this person sends me an email, this is how I feel every time. Or when this client does this, I feel that way. Or mm-hmm. when I get feedback, it makes me feel this way. So you just identify a particular situation in your day that causes you to, that triggers you to have a workday situation that triggers you to have a reaction. And so what you do is you outline the, that situation. Um, for me, if, early on in my career, it was feedback. When I would get like some sort of negative feedback or constructive feedback, it felt like a personal attack. And that mm-hmm. was just, that was my response as a junior you know, associate at a big law firm, I was like, oh, this, you know, this person finally figured out I have no idea what I'm doing. And I would go down the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. The second step is like, okay, what is the, what is the reactive thought at the, at the bottom of that? And my reactive thought, my example is I'm not good enough. Right. Right. So then I, and then I would get down this train of I'm not good enough, et cetera, et cetera. Um, step three is just to, and I encourage people to write down the reactive thought. Step three is just, we cross the line through it and say, it, as part of it's symbolic, but there is also a little bit of science behind sort of this idea of, you know, uh, kind of crossing it out and saying mm-hmm. like, you know what, that's actually not true. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then the, the fourth part, which I think is the most important part is coming up with a, like a pre-planned response for the next time it happens. Mm-hmm. So the next time I get a piece of negative feedback and I feel that that way, I'm going to get up from my desk, step one, step two, I'm going to go for a couple of minute walk and I'm going to remind myself that this is not personal, right? I have the decision. I, I can decide to take the nugget of truth that's, that's embedded in, you know, however the feedback was delivered to me and I can use that to my advantage. And every time I receive a piece of feedback, I, that empowers me to be, to be better. And I can try to strip the emotion from it and take the nugget of truth. And so the idea is every time that situation comes up, you deploy that type of thinking. And over time, like the, that, that situation is like, oh, here it is again. Well, I'm just going to walk through my process, right? I got this, I got this, I got this. And over time, I think the intensity of it shrinks, you mm-hmm. know, it just sort of shrinks and it's not as big of a thing anymore over, over time. So to, to really directly answer your question, I think a few minutes a day is great, but also being, having an awareness, right, from concepts that you have learned where you can deploy a certain type of thinking around a specific situation so that you can, sh- you can shrink it or you can respond in a certain way. I think that is the ultimate, uh, the ultimate way for, for people to incrementally change their, uh, how they view their, their work day. Yeah. No, and it's, and it's a great practice and it's, uh, uh I can remember my early twenties in, in, 
in being in the, the tech space and um, uh, someone that I, I looked up to said, you know, or did you react or did you respond? I got upset at something. Uh, and I immediately just fired off an email. I'm like, I didn't like the way that they, I don't like the way that they said the way they talked in that email. You know how many times we talk about how the email sounded and it's just a bunch of words and you don't <laughs> yeah. know, like you yeah. don't know how that person typed the email. So, you know, I immediately came back with this, this, you know, just complete, just I'm a jackass email. And, and I was so proud of myself, you know, I puffed my chest out and I was all proud of myself and this person said, did you react or did you respond? And I said, Oh, I, no, I, I, I responded right. I, re I responded right away. Well, no, I reacted right away, which was completely right. different. Right. And now, you know, practicing over a long period of time, you know, I, I got something that was just bothered me on, um, I guess it was Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. And I mean, just, um, it just completely just got me irate, you know, just, I wanted to send an email to the world and share with everybody and that, that doing those exercises, it was like, all right, step back, think about it, sleep on it. Now wait 10 minutes. And if you still feel the same way, take, wait 10 more minutes, sleep on it. And then figure it out <laughs> the next day, still frustrated the next day, but definitely a different result. Uh, and I didn't carry it like it was anger. I carried it with some thought of like, how do I want to handle this situation? And what makes the most sense that's going to be fair to everyone? And because most most situations, um, most people are good people, right? Yeah. And most of the work that people do, they want to do good work. Like nobody gets up in the morning. It's like, I can't wait to do the worst work of my life. Right. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we have to remind ourselves of that and be cognizant of it and then try to figure out where the intent is. There are people that have bad intentions that don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that the world is perfect and everybody's trying, but um, I think we have to put ourselves in the shoes of like people have the best of interest and intent and go from there opposed to, you know, doing that. And that's, that's a lot of work. And I think that's something that a lot of people could benefit from um, yeah. with, with their day. Cause that's, that's what comes at us. Like the, the emails is always the best. I always, you know, can you believe what they said in that email? And it's like, well, they didn't say anything. They typed yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. Well, they yeah. put an exclamation point or they put all caps in the word all, and that's angry. And it's like, they put a, you know, I just put funny face emojis everywhere. I mean, come on. It's like, yeah. it's like yeah. up a little bit. Yeah. 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 It, it is. I, you raise a really good point because you know, you just, there's some saying that's escaping me, but it's just the idea that like, you never know what someone else is dealing with right yeah. in their life. Right. So people who are well-intentioned um, do things in the same way that we're well-intentioned and we do things that are not aligned with who we normally are, how we would normally respond or how we want to be, you know, received. And so I think keeping that in mind is, is a great practice. It's hard, right. To, to, yeah. to do that. But I think it, um, it can be a challenge, but I think it's absolutely a great way to move through um, to, you know, to sort of move through the day. And I think too, the other part too, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, one of the really great things about mindfulness is your ability to kind of just step outside of a moment and be an observer of how you're feeling, right? So mm -hmm. instead of being caught in that moment of like, I am so angry that this person did this through mindfulness and some of the techniques that we, that we teach, you know, you can kind of step out and say, okay, like I'm observing what's happening right now. And it's this and this and this, and you can mm -hmm. kind of diagnose it in a way where you're not so frenzied that you can't see it. And it may not immediately blunt the feeling, but at least you can see it for what it is. Mm -hmm. And to your point, you know, respond, which I think is a really valuable, uh, really, really valuable part of, of a mindfulness uh, practice and just having some, you know, increased awareness to, 
Um, but again, those are things that to be worked toward. They're not, yep. and you have to continue to work toward them consistently or else we lose, we lose sight of them. Well, before we wrap up, I got two things, I think one or two things that I wanted to do, which one of the things the first time that you talked and I think you probably, I'm guessing you knew you said it and then you just said it before we started. And one of the reasons why I'm interested in, in, in you know, talking with you guys and helping where I can is you, you make a comment of, we want to make, we want to make people happier. I think that's what the line, I think what she said, we want to make employees happier. Mm -hmm. um, and before we started, I said, well, you want to make employees happier. You got to start with the kids. And so you founded something really cool. You're, you're, you're part of something really cool. Uh, that's, that helps kids that honestly, I never would have thought of. And then when you told me about it, I'm like, well, that makes absolute complete sense. So tie me in with uh, stand up kids. Tell me, tell us, tell us a little bit about what that is. How'd you come up with it and, yeah. and how it's going? Yeah. I, man, I'm, thank you for asking. I, I am so pumped to talk about stand up kids. So I'm the, I'm the president of a nonprofit called stand up kids. I'm not the, the founder. It was founded by a uh, husband and wife combo named uh, Kelly and, and Juliet Starrett uh, in San Francisco. They're um, they are experts in the movement and uh, mobility world, like world renowned for the work that they do on, on uh, movement and mobility. Uh, and basically the idea is we want, we raise money um, to, uh, to replace uh, sitting desks in elementary schools across the country with standing desks, right? So our mission is to get every public school child at a standing desk in the next, or having access to a standing desk in the next 10 years. Um, and the reason why that is so important is because it, again, if you look at the science behind things like childhood obesity, um, some of the like musculoskeletal issues, right? Um, some of the uh, attention deficit issues that, that kids are experiencing throughout a, a day and in school, a lot of it has to do with sedentariness, right? Yeah. Sitting all day long is so destructive, not only for adults, but especially for, for children, right? Mm -hmm. Kids were not meant to be sitting in small desks. The desks that are in elementary schools were designed, the only design thinking that went into those desks is that janitors were able to stack them on top of one another, right? Mm -hmm. It has, there's nothing about the, the human body or how the, the human body should be moving that went into uh, that went into the design thinking. So what we do is we take we take out the standing desk or take out the sitting desk. We put the standing desk in, and a lot of the the research that's that's coming up right now is saying that this is incredibly helpful for for kids, not only for their uh, their physical body but also for the way that they interact uh, in class. Mm -hmm. um, so we we had the um, uh, the first all standing desk uh, school um, ever uh, in the world uh, that we uh, funded in uh, in Marin. Most of the, the areas where we uh, go in and do this are areas where the you know the, the kids are you know they uh, lower socioeconomic areas like really areas where the kids really need this. Mm -hmm. um, the teachers report back to us that the kids absolutely, they love it <laughs> um, uh, because the, the kids have, you know, all that nervous energy that a kid has and from sitting, they get to stand up. And, and um, we like to say that we want to create a, a movement rich environment, right? Mm -hmm. So people will say, well, how do you get, isn't it bad for kids to stand all day? They're not standing all day. They have a stool, they can get up and, and sit down as they mm -hmm. want. There's this thing called a rocker bar under the desk, which they can put their foot on and like rock it back and forth. Um, and you, you know, uh, at bars, like if you ever go to a bar, 
right? Mm-hmm. You know that like rail that's around a, a bar, right? All too well. Yeah, right. And so <laughs> the reason that those, those bars are there is because people will stand there longer because that's a natural human position to have one foot up on, on that mm-hmm. rail. It's, so um, what we're trying to do is recreate a lot of these natural human positions for, for children um, so that they can um, have a movement rich environment. So we've been doing it for several years now. Um, we've given, we estimate about 100,000 kids across the country access to desks. Uh, we have a partnership with a company called Barry. Um, they're a phenomenal partner for us. Mm-hmm. They've provided desks to us over the years. Um, and now what we've done is, you know, we, we've raised a lot of money and done a lot of uh, switching out of the desk, but we realized that if we wanna make a really big impact, it has to happen at the policy level. And so mm-hmm. we're working on right now, putting, this, putting together uh, a study that we think is the first one that's, that's been done on this with, with kids mm-hmm. so that they have like wrists, uh, like trackers. Yep. Uh, and, and so we, that we can actually see how much this is uh, affecting them positively. And we wanna go to Sacramento and say, Hey, look at this research. Like we need some policy changes around the way that we're setting up kids uh, classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if, if anyone's interested in checking it out, it's standupkids.org. Um, we we've got videos up there, Josh, of just kids who are just like, I love my standing desk. I'm so happy. You know, I, you know, uh, it makes me feel energized, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and especially with recess and stuff being taken away, you know, in place of standardized testing. Um, it's just a really phenomenal benefit for the kids. So something I'm really excited about uh, what we can do with it. Yeah, when you were telling me about it, I was like, that makes all the sense in the world. And yeah. I am so anti the traditional classroom setup, even the pod setup that they're doing now. But I mean, the row setup with the with the old desks. I mean, think about the, the, the advancement when you're talking about that with the the school furniture with the, the kids students desks and easier to put the chairs up, you know, the creation, the, the, the latest creation was building chair legs that are indented. So instead of flipping the chair over and putting it with the legs up, you can actually pick the chair up straight and then slide it into the desk halfway as a convenience factor and, and saving, you know, the, the, the selling point is it saves two seconds per chair with 30 average 27 chairs in a classroom so it saves a minute of time for people to be more productive in cleaning the space and it's like right well, yeah okay um i guess that's a good reason why we have this set up for these kids so i think yeah. that's great i think that the stand-up uh, i did the treadmill desk uh i think i had it on too fast because i my my emails that day were, <laughs> were a disaster i tried that out tried that out in an office some people love those things you know and they're walking all day and they're typing and they're productive but uh yeah. that's fantastic so keep up the uh the great work. Well, listen, this has been uh, fantastic. I'm looking forward to, to talking to you, uh, to you guys more off, off the podcast, but how do people get a hold of you? Where's your podcast? Your podcast, by the way, is phenomenal. It's going to be like 40 something minutes. Yours are easy to digest couple minutes, seven minutes, 13 minutes, good content. So where do they find you? Uh, if they're a law firm or they're, they, you work, do courses is pretty much all law firms right now. Um, but how do they get a hold of that? Give all your information. We'll put it in the show notes. Um, yeah. And this was, this has been great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So a couple of things, uh, our, our website is docourseapp.com. Um, and that's where you can learn more about what we're, what we're up to. Uh, my, my website is, uh, drewamoroso.com. And I have a whole bunch of resources there for, uh, that are designed again to help people with workday mindset, uh, 
and some other resources on how to improve your workday. The name of my podcast is the Workday Mindset Podcast. Um, and we're on all the, you know, all the normal places where you would, where you would find that. Um, yeah. And I, I speak a lot on, on these issues. Uh, I have a, uh, this thing called 11 at 11 on Monday mornings, uh, on Instagram live where I offer just, you know, one thing you can do to work on your, uh, uh, your work day each week. Um, and it, for anyone who wants to, to reach out to me directly, I'm just drew at drewamoroso.com. Um, and would love to, to talk with anybody who's interested in learning more about how to um, help, you know, Im- improve the work days of, of the people that you work with, your workforce. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity, Josh, to be here. This was, this was awesome. Great conversation. <laughs> we'll, have you, we'll have to have you on again after I work on my workday mindset a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, got, we'll give you. I still got a yeah. little bit more work. Still got a little <laughs> yeah. bit more work to do. Give, but, uh, give you some time to do the incremental progress. Yeah. We'll come back in a couple months. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is great. No, I'm going to look at, the, I'm going to get you on Instagram. It's the 1111. That looks, that uh, sounds pretty cool. So yeah. Uh, yeah. no, appreciate you making the time and, uh, and putting this out and sharing a little bit and, getting people just to think a little bit about, you know, what their mindset might look like. And I'm hoping that there's at least one person out there that's not struggling, but probably having that could probably use a little bit of help with opening up their mind a little bit of kind of what's going on and how they could just do a little bit of fine tuning, a little bit of yeah. constant tweaking and reminders that could, uh, that could make their day a little bit better. And as you say, make, make employees happier in the workplace. So, and, and in yeah. life in general. So appreciate yeah. you, my friend, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, That'll do it for this episode. This was a good one. I, 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 I'll tell you, they're all they're all good, but I love talking about things like this because it's uh, it's just keep it simple, stupid stuff. I mean, it's just daily reminders we got to come up with. It's listening to people that have been through it, that have looked at the science behind it and the psychology that goes with it. I'm a huge advocate of mindfulness and and uh, and 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 I'm I'm a work in progress, but uh, I know it's helped me a lot over the course of my career. So uh, that will do it. We have had a uh, fun 2021 so far. Uh, we've got some speaking. Uh, I do. I do speak. I, it's been quiet. It was quiet from March 13th to to uh, last week, but I did a virtual event last week. I've got some live keynotes, which is really uh, for those that are listening. That when when uh, events start happening in person again, and they start planning at least. Uh, that's a good sign for us that we're going to be out getting back together again. And before we know it, hopefully we'll be uh, hand, uh, high-fiving, hugging, and handshaking uh, at some point again here in the near future. It might not be this year, but it's, at least it's something for us to look forward to. Meantime, I'm going to keep bringing you podcasts or selling T-shirts. When uh, Drew was talking about exercise, I am doing the YMCA Spinathon again this year, April 24th. So be on the lookout. I'm going to do a – I want to raise a lot of money for the YMCA this year. And, and last year, to those that donated – Thank you so much. I know you guys all donated all the way to the 11th hour. I was having, uh, I was trying to get spin bikes put into uh, to my friend Chris Mills garage so we could keep, keep, keep doing it, but we had to cancel. So this year I've got a Peloton bike in my house. Uh, I have my speed bicycle speed helmet and my spandex and my fingerless gloves and all the things that you shouldn't wear on a, uh, on a on a stationary bike, but I'm going to make it fun. I'll have it live if uh, we can't do it in person on uh, social media. So be on the lookout. I'm going to have some uh, exciting, fun, fun, fun giveaways for those that donate and support and follow us on all social media platforms. I'm getting more active with that. Uh, as much as I don't like social media, I know that it's something that uh, is a good platform to be sharing what's going on. And, um, you know, just hang in there. As I keep saying, we're, we're, we're not out of the woods yet, but we sure are a whole lot further than we were uh, 10 short months ago. So uh, remember, if you can be anything, be awesome.